I remember when I was in elementary school as a young child in Hafter, in those long, boring, dull days of elementary school, as a child you always just want to get out of school. And I remember that there was one bastion of hope, and that was the infirmary. Because when you were in school, if you went to the infirmary and you managed to convince the nurse that you're not feeling well, then you got to go home. So there was this like beacon of hope that maybe, maybe if when I get to the infirmary, I could act sick enough to convince the nurse that I'm not well, I'll be able to get to go home. Now there in the nurse's office there in Hafter, she had up a sign with a poem by Shel Silverstein. The name of the poem is Sick. And I guess it's because the nurse knew that this was the children's plan. So she had this poem up on the wall, Sick by Shel Silverstein. It's a long poem, but I'll read some of it. I cannot go to school today, said little Peggy Ann McKay. I have the measles and the mumps, a gash, a rash, and purple bumps. My mouth is wet, my throat is dry, I'm going blind in my right eye. My tonsils are as big as rocks, I've counted 16 chicken pox. And it goes on and all, all these terrible illnesses that this child is experiencing when... She's saying she can't go to school. And then the end of the poem, My tongue is filling up my mouth. I think my hair is falling out. My elbow's bent. My spine ain't straight. My temperature is 108. My brain is shrunk. I cannot hear. There is a hole inside my ear. I have a hangnail and my heart is... What? What's that? What's that you say? You say today is Saturday? Goodbye. I'm going out to play. And I'm sure we could all relate to this idea that's being conveyed in the poem. And that is that when a person is having a good time, you don't feel sick or tired. When you feel when you have to do, you have to go to work, you have to go to school, all of a sudden you feel lethargic and this is bothering you, you feel tired and exhausted. But when it's vacation or you know that you have, you're having a good time that day, then all of a sudden you jump out of bed full of vivaciousness and energy ready to play the day away. Because that's the nature of a person, that when you're very excited about something, you don't feel tired, you don't feel exhausted. Therefore, because of this, it's very hard to understand what the Gemara teaches about this day of Rosh Chodesh Sivan. We know that the Torah says the beginning of Yisro Perkutes, Exodus 19, where is found the account of the giving of the Torah, Exodus 19, and then chapter 20 is the Ten Commandments, etc. But over there at the very beginning of Perikutes, In the third month from when the Jews left Egypt, right, Nisan Ir Sivan, in the third month from when they left Egypt, on this very day, they arrived at the desert of Sinai. And the sages explain that Hayom Hazed this very day refers to Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh Sivan. This is the day that they actually reached Mount Sinai and camped by the foot of the mountain. And then the Gemara goes on to explain all the different preparations that the Jewish people, that Moshe Rabbeinu did with the Jewish people to prepare for Matan Torah, to receive the Torah. On the second day of Sivan, 
which is called Yoyma Meyuchas, the day of pedigree. God said to us, God said, you're going to be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. That was the second day of Sivan, this beautiful Yichus that Hashem gave us. The third day of Sivan is where we got the commandment of the Hagbalah to, board, to, to make borders, boundaries around the mountain, all the different boundaries, etc., the fourth day of Sivan, we got the mitzvah not to have relations. The fifth day of Sivan is when Moshe Benah built him a, an altar and we said Nasa Nishma until finally the next day we got the Torah. But the question is, on the first day of Sivan, on Rosh Chodesh today, it doesn't say that Moshe Benah said anything. They, it just says they got to the mountain. He only began saying things on the second day of Sivan. So Chazal are bothered by that, and Chazal say, you know why Moshe Rabbeinu, when they got to the mountain, didn't say anything on that day of Rosh Chodesh? Moshe Rabbeinu didn't say anything to them because of the exhaustion from the journey. That Jews were so, were so weak and so tired because of the journey that they to get to the Mount Sinai, that they were too tired, Moshe Benu couldn't say anything to them. He waited to the next day to start telling them things to get ready for Matan Torah. But seemingly, how could that make sense? We know that since the Jews left Egypt, they were counting the days to Matan Torah. We know that's one of the main reasons for Sviras Omer. They were counting the days. When are they finally going to get the Torah? They were so impatient, excited to get the Torah. How could it be that when they finally got to Mount Sinai, they were too tired? They couldn't hear a shear, they couldn't hear anything, they were just too tired, too exhausted. How could that possibly be that when a person is that excited, all of a sudden you still feel tired and, and weak? Even little Peggy Ann McKay, when she went out to play on a Saturday, is full of energy. How could it be that the Jewish people that were so excited were too tired to hear anything on this day? So the Lubavitch Rebbe once explained that really, really... The first day, Rosh Chodesh Sivan, this day, not only was there a chana for Matan Torah, a preparation for Matan Torah, but in a very deep way, this day when Moshe Rabbeinu, when Moshe Rabbeinu didn't say anything to us, this day was the deepest preparation for Matan Torah. This day's preparation is even deeper than all the preparations for the days after that. Why is that? So we know what Hasidus explains, that seemingly, what's the whole Chiddush, what's the whole rev- revolutionary, cataclysmic inin of Matan Torah? Seemingly, we know that even before Sinai, Jews were learning Torah. Avram Avinu kept the entire Torah, including the Erev Tavshilin, the Avais, all kept the Torah. Noach learned Torah. The Jews in Mitzrayim, like Poski Yeshiva Maviseinu, there was always Torah learning, even in Egypt. So what's the big Chiddush of Matan Torah? And Hasidus explains, because until then, that, that the tzaddikim, those that were able to perceive those aspects of Torah through their own mind, through their own spiritual preparation, they could receive light of Torah, but only the light of the Torah according to each person's capability and how much that person was able to draw down the Torah before it was actually given. But the Chiddush of Matan Torah is what Hashem gives in the Torah, and that is His very self, at Matan Torah, when God said, Anoichi Hashem 
As the sages explain, the word Anoichi is an acronym as a Rosh Tevais, God says, I, my soul, Ananafshi, my very self, Ksavis Yehovis, I wrote down and I gave to you. And Matan Torah, the very essence of God's being, he put in every word of Torah. Or in the language of Chazal, That Hashem says, I was given over with the Torah. You're taking me. You're taking me when you learn Torah. You see, there are differences between Jews learning Torah. That's when it comes to understanding, perception, how much is able to understand Torah, how bright a person is, how intelligent. But when it comes to connecting to God's essence in Torah, there, there's no difference between a child that says and the biggest genius saying the deepest pilpul, the deepest ideas of Kabbalah or Gemara when it comes to the actually connecting to God through learning Torah there's absolutely no difference between the biggest genius who understands the deepest ideas of Torah and the most simple Jew that's just reading the letters of Tanakh as we know that if you read the letters, the words of Tanakh, you get the midst of learning Torah, and if you don't understand, and you're connecting to God's essence as much as the biggest genius. Because God gave himself in Torah. And so yes, there are preparations from the second day of Siva, and there are all sorts of preparations each person has to make within themselves to get ready to receive the Torah, everyone according to their level. But ultimately, the greatest preparation to receive the Torah, which is receiving within ourselves God Himself, that God Himself should become part of who we are, into our minds, into our very being. The only preparation for that is shtika ubitl, silence and complete nullification. Step two is actually using one's koiches, using one's mind to be able to perceive Torah, but that's step two. The step one is to silence one's being and be a vessel for God. To learn Torah l'shma for its own sake means that before you actually say words of Torah, before you actually internalize the holy words, one has to be silent. To recognize that one is about to receive God within oneself through those holy words. And therefore, Moshe Rabbeinu, because of the exhaustion from the journey, which the deeper meaning of that is, the journey in Ruchnius, the spiritual journey, the journey that it takes for a created being to unite with Ein Sof, with God's essence, the preparation for that on this day, Moshe Rabbeinu said nothing. Because the first preparation and the most important preparation to receive Torah is silence. Before any time we ever learn Torah, we have to first for a moment... Be ready to receive God. Be in a state of silence, complete receptivity, to be a vessel for the infinite light of God. And that's the deeper meaning of Chulsha Orcha. The exhaustion from the journey means the silencing of oneself, the weakening, so to speak, of one's own being to be able to have that journey into God's essence. And then when we have this preparation, we could then be vessels for the Torah and receive within ourselves God Himself.